Welcome to Bandwidth, the podcast about band directors and how we combat burnout to preserve some bandwidth for ourselves. Thank you to Evan Fujimoto for the music and to LMC Media for the artwork. If you're listening in Apple Podcasts, please subscribe and give the show a rating and review. If you're listening in Spotify, I'd appreciate if you give the show a follow. This week, I get to share with you my interview with Bill Wynn, Director of Bands at Heritage High School in Ringgold, Georgia. Ringgold is in Northwest Georgia, very close to Chattanooga. Yes, that Chattanooga of choo-choo fame. Most people would not know it, but that little corner of the Peach State has some incredible band programs. And I put Bill's teaching up there with some of the finest educators I've seen. He started there with the middle school and then moved to the high school when that director moved on. When you look at the immense success of his students and how his philosophy and teaching drive that success, it truly is a model program. I was fortunate to be able to observe his program in action, and it's truly remarkable to see how fundamentally sound all of his students are, how much his teaching is so grounded in his philosophy, how his students are so passionate and kind, and how incredibly thoughtful and organized he is. If there's anyone who's got a great grasp of the big picture, it's Bill Wynn. I hope you enjoyed this conversation with Bill. I think he's one of the most brilliant people I know, and I hope you get to take away a few nuggets of his knowledge from this interview. And if you're ever in that neck of the woods, definitely stop in to see Bill do some amazing things. So, welcome, uh, Bill Wynn. We are here in uh, Georgia, in Ringgold, Georgia. Um, uh, Bill is the band director at Heritage High School here, and uh, we are classmates from our master's program at, at ABC. So we're very happy to have you here and uh, kind of hear your story uh, a bit. And so let's get right into it. Uh, so you started the middle school program, which um, really blossomed not into a, just a large program, but one of very, very high quality. Um, what was it like to build from scratch and what things were important to you that um, helped to sustain that program? Well, thank you for your compliment. We, we did yeah. start the program in 2005 and I was there for 15 years before going to the high school. And uh, one of the cool things about starting from scratch is you get to decide all of the things you use. You get to decide the instrument brands. You get to decide how to allocate the money that you're given. Uh, so we were able to to make some good instrument choices right off the bat. One of the bad things about starting a new program is you never have quite enough for everything. Mm. So you're kind of every year um, adding to the inventory until you can get the program to the level that you want. Um, the other disadvantage to a new program is you don't have the same consistent teaching uh, strategies with with your eighth graders and seventh graders, they're the, this is their first time meeting you. Mm. So they're also sort of learning the culture and the, the foundation of the program that you want. They're learning your personality. Oh, yeah, in that first year. Right. Yeah. Whereas when you're in a program, you know, by my 15th year, my eighth graders often taught the sixth graders the expectations. So you didn't have to say it as often. Mm. Um, when you... When you start at first, it's a it's a battle, not not of wills because the kids are great kids, but it's just a battle to get them to understand what the identity of the band program is and what the expectations are. Mm -hmm. Whereas when you're 
in year 15, those eighth graders and those seventh graders are helping you to teach the sixth graders the expectations as far as behavior and, and practice expectations and things like that. Yeah. yeah. Again, and you started with all three grade levels, I assume. Correct. Right? Yeah. So that, I guess that, that has its challenges, right? Because just building culture takes time, right? right. And, um, but that, that's really good that you have your older students, you know, helping to, to pass that down. And that was something really important to me too. And it made it very sustainable. Right. Yeah. Um, so now you're at Heritage High School, right? Which opened shortly after, right? As, as, student, as students got older. Right. Um, I know your, your predecessor had moved on to another position, right? And you could have stayed in the middle school, you know, where things were, were, were buzzing along, right? I think we talked earlier about, you know, the importance of having that, you know, having that reliable foundation. Right. Mm -hmm. But why move to the high school, right? You're taking on marching band, football games, right? More ensembles, all the schedules that come with that, right? Um, and imagine the stress that comes with, right? So right. What, what was it for you that um, pushed you to move to the high school? Well, uh, as we talked about before, but not on recording, um, <laughs> I was offered the high school job when they opened it in 2008. But uh, I feel like one of my strengths is starting kids, starting mm -hmm. beginners. And I feel like um, that that's an important aspect. So many times band directors, principals, administrators think that the high school band director is the better teacher mm -hmm. and they're paid better. And, and I feel like that the best programs out there have the best middle school foundations. Mm -hmm. So um, when my principal offered me the high school job in 2008, um, I told him I preferred the middle school. We went out and found our, our great high school band director um, but then comes COVID, and um, our high school band director's health was, uh, he was going through a rough patch health-wise for the last few years. And with COVID uh, being there and, you know, the thought of standing through a marching season with 200 band members who may at any time cough on him, mm -hmm. uh, I think that that was a really scary thing for him. He was offered a position at, uh, at a grade school to teach adjunct at a college. And um, so, you know, he thought about it long and hard, but he ultimately went. And given the timing being June, uh, the band director carousel had already rotated several times. Mm -hmm. And uh, with us not knowing the summer of 2020, if we were going back in person, if we were going back digital, if we were going back uh, hybrid, um, not knowing if there was going to be a football season or a marching season or, or anything like that. So everything up in the air, I felt like the best thing for the high school program would be to have something that was consistent, had some continuity. And I had taught all of those kids. So for the program to maintain some sort of consistency, it was probably time for me to move to the high school. Hmm. Yeah, it's, at least it, it gave... Whoever came in with the middle school gave them something to look forward to as well, right? You know, right. To, to a reason to continue rather than being this is the end of the road. Right? Well, depending yeah, on how they yeah. felt about me. Okay, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> yeah, maybe some of them were looking forward to, <laughs> to not having you. But, I figure if they made it through yeah. three years of middle school, they didn't hate me too much. Yeah, so I guess so. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So in, in that same vein, right? So you're in this unique position where you know, nearly all of your students have only had you as their teacher, right? So that's good six, seven years uh, of continuity, which I, I can imagine it's really great, right? But um, 
you know, maybe I'm just kind of full of myself and I just like kids, everybody doing everything my way. I used to tell them there's not a right way or a wrong way. There's just my way. Right. right? Um, but can you describe what that's been like for you? Well, it, it's been it's been interesting. The kids all, um, on the one hand, maybe they're too familiar. So they take some things for granted, you know, mm. like my seniors and my juniors now have had me six years and... Uh, you know, that's more than they've had any teacher ever. And so sometimes I think they just, they take for granted what we do every day because we do it every day. Mm-hmm. Um, so it may be good to have freshmen coming in next year that I've never met. No, well, I've met, mm-hmm. but were never my official students mm-hmm. on my roster. So having them come in with just a little bit of fear of who I am and what might happen <laughs> so that mm-hmm. there's not... I think there can be sometimes some complacency in students once they've had you for so long. You know Mm. what I mean? Um, But that's the negative. That's the drawback. The positive is the kids are aware of my expectations. So it's it's not that difficult to remind them when they stray what what the expectations are. Mm -hmm. And uh, as you said, you know, you like things going your way. There's 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 the Mm -hmm. right way, the wrong way. I I, we talked earlier. We have. Semi-regular reminders are just conversations about a new ism, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, hey guys, it's uncivilized for the chair racks to face opposite directions. Yes, uh, absolutely. There's only one way to rack a stand, mm-hmm. you know. Um, the light switches will be adjusted. Don't, don't, uh, don't freak out. The lights are going to mm-hmm. go off while I make <laughs> them right. Yeah. Uh, but they're aware of, of, of isms, and uh, and and I make them aware that I know that. It, I'm a little different than everybody else, but that that's the expectation in our band room. So mm-hmm. by the time they've had me six years, they know the isms. So that's yeah. a little easier. Yeah, you know, I used to preach to my students, um, you know, some something that my my predecessor did, and it was, you know, early is on time and on time is late, and late is dead. And, and I don't think everybody got the joke in the last part. <laughs> but, um, but, you know, and so many of them come back and like, you know, that may be one of the things that they carried with them the most, you know, and and it drives them crazy now when other people are late, you know, right. they just show up, you know, at the time, right? right. Um, and then, or you know, we the the stands had to be lined up a certain way. You know, we couldn't afford stand racks yet, so you know, we had them all neatly lined up. All the feet had to be in the same way. I had a picture of it, big poster printed right. <laughs> across and it said I feel pretty <laughs> there <laughs> and you know and, and occasionally you get some kid coming through and, and scolding other kids for doing it wrong and, and going back right. and fixing it and you know, well or you have um, you have you know by the end of the year every year but certainly by the beginning of the year with your most mm-hmm. advanced ensembles uh, the kids go through and straighten the stands and straighten mm-hmm. the chairs because they know they have now learned that that's just the way mm. it should be and it bothers them when they're not correct yeah. so they're not straightening them because mr Wynn wants them straightened mm. they're straightening them because they're not straight yeah and yeah <laughs> and, and this is how it's done and this is a shared space and and we we take care of those things and yeah i remember um do you know uh the name doug Aki? it is a he's a composer and um band direct, middle school band director and so his percussionists have this pegboard with you know uh a hang a hanger for every single mallet and every all, right. all the things and they're all like I think there's probably like outlines over Outline, all of yeah. them right every single thing has to be on that board or nobody's leaving right and 
you know, but it, it's it's those kinds of things. Just take care, take care of this this shared space, and your bits is your take care. Yeah, and I, you know, I love I love those kinds of, and and it saves us the headaches down the road of having to maybe fix a music stand or you know somebody getting hurt because things aren't put away correctly or not having this. Um, you know this accessory when you need it for the right for the Showing next class, to a concert right? or to a marching band uh mm -hmm. event without something because it wasn't stored correctly on the mm -hmm. rack that it was supposed to be stored or time being lost you know con you know continually losing time in class for addressing the same issue which could have been student-led not director driven right. so i think that's one of those things that kind of saved me in the long run because i didn't have you know i might have to really get after the sixth graders about it but I don't have to talk to the seventh and eighth graders right. about those things. Um, and I think a lot of the young band leaders don't realize that establishing classroom attitude and and that is more important than even getting instruments in their hands at first. And while you want to get the instruments in their hands and keep their interest, you want to establish we're not playing a note until we're stand, sitting up straight. We're not. We, first things first. Mm -hmm. Yeah, discipline before before the music, and you know. It's just we we are we have to learn to be a band. We're learning band things without doing band things. Right. right. Um, so you're an hour and a half away from Atlanta. Not terribly far, but it's definitely not close, right? right. Uh, Chattanooga is close, but um, like as I've looked at, you know, the really well resourced programs around the country, there are more often or not, no, more often than not, near. A pretty large metropolitan area where there's a lot of professionals. There's a lot of private teachers, people who are doing a lot of free, freelance teaching and whatnot. And it and it seems that where we're at, where it's a bit distant or at least you know reasonably inconvenient for someone to get to, mm -hmm. you know, a lot of the resources of these these big cities. Um, I mean, you're obviously doing great things with your program, um, but you can't be doing it all yourself, right? So how are you? I guess. Um, bringing this bringing this level up without you know the the typical resources that you, you see in high-level programs that are adjacent to these big cities right well we are somewhat adjacent to chattanooga and while the chattanooga symphony is not the new york philharmonic mm -hmm. there are professional musicians and we've got a local university uh university of tennessee chattanooga okay that's really only 20 minutes 25 minutes down the okay. road um and they are an improving program that that you know as they grow that will only help us more mm -hmm. but um you know like i reached out several years ago to berry college which is in rome georgia it's about an hour away mm -hmm. but asked uh, them if they had a, a sax instructor they would recommend and and then i convinced that saxophone teacher that it was worth it an hour to heritage a day um, mm. to come out and teach students all day long. So okay. we started out with, I'll pay you so much to come out and do sectionals on one day a week from the boosters. And then uh, make sure to let the kids know you're available for private lessons. And, and then uh, as kids started hearing how he played and being interested in playing like him and researching private lessons, we weaned him off of booster money and just onto private student money. Uh, so much to the point that before the pandemic, he was coming out twice a week wow. because it was worth his ride to come mm -hmm. out and teach that many hours of lessons. 
um, and go home. Now, once the pandemic hit, that was less practical and less, we weren't allowed to have like uh, instructors in the building. Uh-huh. So um, this fall we started back and you know, the day after, the first day I, I had him come out and do sectionals, the next week he had a full schedule with students who, wow. who were already excited to do the lessons. So we kind of, when we first started lessons, we started with, you know, targeting one instrument at a time and I would take that booster budget and just apply it toward one instructor until that instructor was sort of self-sufficient Mm-hmm. And then we would work with the next one. Um, we're currently working on horn. Okay. <laughs> so as we get our horn horn uh, in instruction uh, on the way, we move to the next one. But okay. uh, but between um, other band directors, retired band directors, um, between um, performers from the Atlanta area or, or Rome or Chattanooga, mm-hmm. and uh, between even sometimes we have the college students come out and work with the, the kids. Okay. And a lot of times it'll be former heritage kids come back. I mean, the best teaching we have is like our high school kids who go down and mentor the middle school kids and the wind ensemble kids who mentor the symphonic band kids. And the, the, again, the student leadership model and the students look forward to paying back because they remember in sixth grade and seventh and eighth the help that they got. Mm-hmm. So um, really when we have those kids that make high all-state chairs, high district chairs, go back and, and help and work with those kids who are just new beginners. Um, that that builds a sense of community. It, it gives the middle school kids an excitement to come to the high school and be a part of those kids' band. And, um, and I think it's rewarding to the high school kids. I think, you know, um, you never really are I guess the, the highest level of learning is, is learning well enough to teach. Mm-hmm. And so as those kids are teaching, the younger kids, they're, they're having to refine their own uh, practice and maybe even think about uh, why do they do this so that they can convince a sixth grader that it's important. And sometimes they can't come up with a reason and so maybe that's a reason to stop doing something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it causes, I, I found when I started to doing the uh, private lessons, I, Became much more self-reflective and keeping up with what I should be doing and what was really not as as useful as I thought it was. Yeah. Wow. I mean, uh, that that vertical structure that you just have within you know the two schools that's huge. You know, similar mm-hmm. to you know what I would do at the middle school. The high school kids would come back all the time mm-hmm. to to help us out with different things and and oftentimes I I call one you know and they show up with six friends and yeah. you know all of a sudden we got. All these guys coming out to help out with a parade or you know whatever it may be you know uh, schlepping stands and and chairs at a concert and helping us reset stuff watching the parking lot whatever whatever it may have been and um yeah that's i mean i i can't think of a better way to to bring the resources to a, a program that you know it's geographically distant mm-hmm. you know but i mean i i guess i didn't realize that um University of Tennessee Chattanooga was, you know, was there as a resource for you too. So that's great. Well, and, um, yeah. and it is, a, they got a new band director um, last year. And until then, it's been a revolving door of band directors and the program mm-hmm. has gotten smaller and smaller. But with this new band director, he's he's energetic. He, he likes to come to local schools. He's been recruiting. He, he tripled the size of the band from last year to this year. Oh, wow. Um, he's a well-known figure in the area. And... Um, and well liked and well respected, mm-hmm. and um, 
so it's a it's a great opportunity there you know we do have a good good uh, relationship with several bands in the area I have several kids that are at West Georgia but that's two and a half hours away and mm -hmm. at Barry College that's that's an hour away in um, in in low traffic um, JSU we have several kids that are are there and have graduated from there but there again that's in Alabama and it's it's a couple of hours away mm -hmm. so UTC being 20 minutes down the road the better they do to build that program the more that will benefit every school in Chattanooga yeah and and the the smart college directors do know that they've got to recruit too and, right. and they make their their presence known and give kids reasons to to want to continue and be excited about that and I'm glad you you know have that kind of relationship with those guys mm -hmm. um, so for yourself right uh, how do you fill your cup right in terms of your personal musical needs I know you used to you giggle you used to gig a lot you know in your earlier days right but what are you doing now for that um, I gig a little um, Christmas and Easter stuff mm -hmm. like that awesome. But great time I, for brass players to make exactly. money. <laughs> good, good extra kick to mm -hmm. the to the budget. But really, I love teaching private lessons, and um, my private studio is uh, full of kids from sixth grade up that really just want to play better. And um, mm -hmm. by the time those kids get to be freshmen, sophomore, by the time I've worked with them two or three years, they, I, I really enjoy playing duets and trios with the kids. Um, mm -hmm they're some of the most challenging to teach because I don't want to let them down. You know, mm. we have uh, several kids that have been top all-state players and have, have been, I've had several private students go to whatever university they attend and, and be first chair from freshman year mm -hmm. up. They'll come back in the summers and do lessons to refresh and we'll fix things mm -hmm. that have mm -hmm. slacked. <laughs> that sounds pretentious, but no. sometimes they go to their college band directors and they don't do things right. So I yeah. bring them back and yeah. fix them. And, um, but there's a, they're they're just great kids. I've got a student right now at Stanford. He's there. Um, I, I don't even know what he's majoring in. I think he wants to one day be a film director. But oh. um, but he's playing in the Stanford Symphony and he's playing in the jazz band there. And so in the summers he comes back and and we. We go. I've got another kid at Florida State majoring in music. That uh, he's just a freshman now. So on his breaks, he comes back and we talk about how things are going and 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 do another playthrough. Mm -hmm. So to me, that that's when I still get my playing in. And I tell okay. all my private students, I I play way too much in your lesson. Mm -hmm. You you should be doing all the playing, but I love to play, so I'm going to play more than I should. Mm -hmm. And um, so you know they get they they get to or have to, depending on your perspective, hear me play. Mm -hmm. But it's a way for me to get, you know, eight to ten hours of playing in a week um, during mm -hmm. their lessons. So um, it's worked out so far for all yeah. of us. <laughs> oh, that's that's cool that you know you got that. Yeah, I, I used to love playing duets with the kids. You know, that was yeah. it was fun to challenge them, and you know, it's like all right, we're switching parts, and <laughs> here hmm. we go. And, and I play along doing yeah. scale drills and stuff in class too. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just keep your face on the instrument keep keep your hands moving you know mm -hmm. yeah it's so i think it's it's so important for us to maintain that contact and i know there's some people who you know they 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 live their musical lives through their bands which is you know mm -hmm. i think can be at the service to the, the students right and but then there's some people that just kind of you know put their own music musical you know 
um, growth or you know feeding that feeding their soul in that in that sense right to the to the wayside and I I feel like you know maybe if I ever did that I would not have as much to offer my students because I think you you know we have to just like just like we need to eat right we've gotta yeah. gotta uh, fill our soul with music and stay in, stay in touch with that and uh, and I would uh, guess yeah. that there's very few people that went to school to study music who didn't love to play their instrument yeah why, why else would you be right. in school right? I mean some may just have fallen in love with certain compositions and have wanted to create that sound but but didn't but I, I would guess the vast majority first loved to play their instrument and then learned to love music uh-huh. some maybe still have never learned to love music yeah but um, you, you hope that they've learned that but you were I would guess if I were you know the largest percentage would be we went to school because we we love to play our instrument mm-hmm. and then we learned about music in the process yeah yeah that's great okay uh so we're also here with jill your wife um bill got together bill had been teaching already uh for some time so he's invested in that and um so i have to ask um why marry a band director it's all the hours right the commitment you have a whole nother family that you're taking care of of you know hundreds of kids right um who though they go home at night right are probably on his mind right outside of the school day and um, he's always been really good at compartmentalizing though okay when he's home he's home much better than me because mm-hmm. i am always thinking about work and mm-hmm. like should i go and do that but when he's home he doesn't he gets annoyed if something from work comes up and, and that that's something that you know people a lot of people struggle with but you know he doesn't yeah he doesn't that's, but now if he's working don't even talk to him yeah I mean, when you're working, you're working, right? Well, and, yeah. when you when he's working, he's working. But when he's home, he's home. So that's good. Yeah. Okay. And well, I mean, and, and the kids were older right. already, right? So they didn't need, you know, they had the self care skills at that point. And well, that and that's what yeah. I said. Had this is Bill's first marriage, but my second, and mm-hmm. you know, I had the boys. Had uh, it would have been much more difficult if bill was uh in the picture when they were babies because Uh i would not have had help because he's gone Uh you know it's like being a a single parent which is fine i Uh i knew how to parent my kids and i I was fine with that i didn't expect i knew more what to expect yeah and 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 were were you in band huh were you in band i was you were okay so you sort of knew what to expect what was involved right what you're getting yeah it's very busy and Mm -hmm. and everything but um yeah so it would have been much more difficult in our marriage had the boys been younger and i felt like i needed more help because mm-hmm. i wasn't going to get that because yeah. he's working mm-hmm. and so it, it was on, it was on me to make sure you know did they eat is their homework mm-hmm. done that kind of thing and, and that i think that clear understanding of how right. that, how that's going to go is really important but i think if you try to you know tiptoe around it or you know pretend that it's yeah. not you know it's not a concern or you know or whatever that, that, that um we haven't negotiated this part of you know the arrangement ahead of time right, right. That, that can be devastating right right so oh that's that's 
Awesome. So you've been with Bill through the transition from middle school to high school. Yes. So can you talk about what that's been like? Um, so he was always really busy at middle school. And when he got to high school, it kind of looked like it was not going to be as busy. Oh, okay. And because he had help, you have a color guard instructor, you have a, a percussion instructor, um, you get an hour for lunch, you know, he, he has more help than he ever had mm -hmm. at the middle school. But somehow, some way, he just loves it so much that he fills his life with it. And so he's busier than ever. Than sure. ever. Yeah. More hours than he's ever worked <laughs> in his entire well, life. I think um, credit to, to football games and marching band for that at the very least. Oh, yeah, least. absolutely. Yeah. And then stupid football season. Yeah. Which thankfully for you folks is over. <laughs> Thank like, God. Like, Yay. No, yeah. No, no, no band director loves a, a, a perennial playoff team, but you know, but it does, it does give the kids a, you know, a lot to be excited about and reason to join, but absolutely, you know, but oh, man, it goes on and yeah, on and it, on. It can go on and, and you, you never know how long that will be too. Right. right. So, yeah. I, but I do, yeah. I feel like a widow because, you know, I have him home for all summer and mm -hmm. I always say summer bill is so much more fun than marching band bill. So what's summer bill like? Summer bill is chill <laughs> and I come home and he's cooked dinner and he's taking care of the chickens and mm -hmm. I, I get to just like kick back and not mm. have to do anything. <laughs> <laughs> He's had the day to relax mm -hmm. without me and decompress mm -hmm. and, you know, and just be. And so Summerville is much more relaxed and lighthearted and, and things. And, it, you know, marching band bill is there's a lot going on mm -hmm. and it's just constantly going on in his head. He does, a, like I said, he does a really good job of compartmentalizing, you know, when he's home, he's really dialed in at home, you know, he's not constantly, you know, looking at his phone or looking over his shoulder, like mm -hmm. what, you know, what he's always, he pays closer attention than I do. Um, but yeah, it's, he's not nearly as lighthearted mm. during marching band. Things okay. are much more serious. I think that's fair. I mean, there's, there's an emotional weight that we carry when we get oh, busy, right? And right. we have a lot of responsibilities. And, um, you know, speaking with a friend about uh, decision-making fatigue and how... That's what his is. Mm -hmm. It's just I'm constantly having to make decisions for other people. And being a control freak, I, I'm a terrible delegator. I'm learning to be better at it, but I just wouldn't trust somebody else to do, do that thing or make that decision. And the more that I, I push that responsibility out to whether that was students or parents helping out or asking my administrators or other faculty members to help support me the, the more i pushed that away the easier it became but i mean it's never ending because with band you've constantly got kids in front of you you're not lecture for 15 minutes and then let's work on this thing you know and i can i got time to create papers or walk around and check on people it's just right. Where you just have to be on all the time, right? And you know, when when there was that big movement to talk about um, 
uh, summative assessment versus formative assessment and giving, you know, giving kids feedback and whatever. I'm like, you guys just need to walk into any bathroom in the country and you're going to see all of this stuff being done at a high level by people who have only known that for their entire careers. Right. right? And yes, we have the big summative assessment with the performance, right? But, you know, um, we're, we're modeling those things, right? For, well, for the kids, but it's, it's taxing. Yeah. Right. And and now that the the regular classroom, or call them regular classroom, but the the other classroom teachers now that they have to do it all the time, they're experiencing some of the tiredness that we right. we are. Well, and I, I I think Bill's an introvert, and so he gets energy by spending time with himself. Okay. Being alone, so decision making all day, being having that, just being. Uh, around people all day long is exhausting mm -hmm. for him anyway. Whereas I'm more of an extrovert and so I get energy from people. So let's go out and hang out mm -hmm. with friends and woohoo. And so I enjoy it. It's exhausting to him. So not only is he an introvert and people exhaust him, he's also having to make those decisions all day, every day. Which seems contradictory to being a band director, but I mean, there I are, but there are introverts of all types, and and, right. and I think we too commonly pigeonhole them into that person that's just never going to talk to anybody and just mind their own business and right. push papers all day. But that's you know they're all different kinds of yeah. introverts. So that said, um, you know, with your personalities being different, but you know, balancing each other, like, what's your ideal? weekend with no band responsibilities like oh man sleeping in on saturday right mm -hmm. um we we go for hikes and walks and um and just it, I, he gives me my time to myself and i give him his time to himself i, I think we do a good job at that mm -hmm. but just not to have to be on a schedule we're not mm -hmm. big like, okay, let's do this at eight o'clock tomorrow. And then at 10, we're gonna go here and lunches. Mm -hmm. We're not big planners like mm -hmm. that of our weekends. Uh, now we may say, hey, we're gonna go to dinner with friends on Saturday night or something. Mm -hmm. But, you know, weekends are just whatever we fall into. We don't, uh, it's just very um, chill and um, not planned out because our entire week it's already planned out. It's there's already there, planned there's out. There's enough of that. Already. There's enough of, you know, and again, it's nice to have plans from time to time, but it's exhausting to mm. uh, have your weekends planned out for you. So it is definitely nice. I cannot wait to stay home on a Friday night mm -hmm. and have him be at home on Friday night. Mm. Well, that's coming up this week. It won't be this Friday. It oh, won't be this Friday because oh. we've got a trip. Oh, that's right. You're going on your trip. Oh, and then you've got Thanksgiving <laughs> week after. So it's okay, still three so weeks away. Be a ways away. Okay. But that's her fault. <laughs> okay. All right. I'm going to switch. So, yeah. Lightning round time. So, so before uh, you do that, uh, okay. I did a really good job of not talking over Jill, I think. Okay. But when you asked her why did she marry a band director, mm -hmm. this is clearly not a video interview. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. See someone man. as good looking yeah. as this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then about the kids growing up. 
I think half the reason she married me was because I gave the kids a ride to school so she could sleep <laughs> just a little bit longer. There were times when she was like, I envy those talks you guys have in the car on the way to school. And they went something like this. Mm. Hey. Hey. Yeah. <laughs> so there, there was more than just uh, that. But, you know, it was, uh, it was good. It was a good way to get started. Yeah. And then the boys went to Heritage with you? Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah, they were both okay. in the band. They, oh, they, okay. Wow. I started them in sixth grade and I. Oh, okay. And they, they stayed all the way through. Wow. That's a. Um, yeah, that's a. My, my mom was my teacher, so I've, I've, I've been down that road. And um, how, was, how was that for you? As, as, you know? Tell them how we. Well, I met Jill when uh, the boys, uh, when Aaron, uh, I knew Aaron because he was in my sixth grade and seventh grade band, and his dad passed away at the end of seventh grade. Okay. And I'd given her my condolences and we started talking after mm -hmm. that. So it was uh, it was because Aaron was in the band that I met Jill. Now she's the only okay. band parent I ever dated. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and I don't see myself ever dating another one. <laughs> yeah. if anything were to, well, let's hope um, not. Yeah. Anything unfortunate were to happen to Jill. But uh, Al, Al was in the fifth grade when we met, so he, you know, and it was never any pressure for me to join band or do anything. In fact, we thought maybe he wouldn't because he's more athletic and wanted to do uh, those kind of things. But he joined, and some of his best friends now, he's 24, mm -hmm. but now some of his best friends still are kids that he, he met in band and through the trombone section. Mm -hmm. and so, uh, yeah, both of the boys were not only in the band, but off and on took private lessons. Um, you know, it's something I didn't want to force them to do, but when they were preparing for auditions, you know, we we would go and work on that together. So mm -hmm. it was it was good. Well, um, that's amazing that you have that relationship with them, and you know, but I mean, band does so many good things to bring people together. You know, I think I was um, telling my friend, you know, my college roommate, I I met in seventh grade in in an honor band, played bass clarinet, I played saxophone, I was at the end of the row, and um, you know, we've been friends ever since, and you know, just you know, some of the closest friends that I've I've had, you know, met through met through band band things, and we still stay in touch with each other, and just pick up like it was just yesterday. Well, and even though for me, I was in uh, graduate school in Chicago for psychology yeah. at the University of Chicago, I wound up meeting a lot of musicians through just random gigs outside of it, and then when I decided to leave the University of Chicago and just go full time into performing, uh, I still keep in touch with a lot of those contacts that I made through the University of Chicago music. Mm -hmm. um, not so much psychology, but uh, yeah. some of my best friends, I think, uh, you know, I, I played uh, trombone and sang in Chris Wood's wedding, one of my trombone friends, and uh, you know, those guys will be lifelong friends, uh, even though we only shared, our lives were in the same city, for only you know a brief period of time, you know less than a decade, I guess. Yeah, I I, I got to reconnect with a classmate uh, from Colorado. You know, he and his family moved to Hawaii, and then you know we're playing this band together. I showed you the video, and um, you know, first time we sit down and play together, we're like, wow, we haven't we haven't done this in twenty years, yeah. you know, and it and it, it just it feels so good to play next to you again, right? right? And you just you don't you don't forget that, and yeah, I. You know, both of us really look forward to to those rehearsals right. every week because we get well, to see even, each other. And, even but, this interview, you know, you and I mm -hmm. were at ABC a couple of yeah. summers together, 
but it's been 10 years since we've interacted face to face mm-hmm. we've seen each other on Facebook and mm-hmm. I've just changed Facebook messages and stuff but it's just nice to have that connection through music yeah. it is yeah it's, it's such a such a wonderful thing and I, I, I wish more people would do it so here we go uh, let's get into lightning round um, so what was it that made you know you wanted to go into music education <laughs> nothing um, when I was in high school graduating I was majoring in psychology and I got a music ed degree to pay for school because the extra scholarships I got through being in the music department no. uh, okay. were, uh, were made it worthwhile I knew I wanted to play but I didn't mm-hmm. know that I wanted to major in music and the only reason I majored in music education was because I knew that a music performance degree was as worthless as a psychology degree Yes. And I would not have a job out of college without graduate school. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to get a practical degree that I could actually use if I needed money. Mm-hmm. Then when I went to graduate school the first time, it was for a doctorate in psychology. And I went to the University of Chicago mm-hmm. in Chicago. And um, every minute I wasn't in the psych lab, either working on my own homework or working on a, a lab project that paid for my um, scholarships there. Mm-hmm. I was uh, playing with the University Symphony. I was teaching undergraduate trombone players. I was teaching the music, the uh, children's choir at my church. I was playing mm-hmm. in several jazz bands downtown. I was uh, singing at uh, various choirs at cathedrals when they needed voices to fill out their Saturday or their Sunday morning rosters. Um, and I just realized I really hated psychology. And every minute I could be doing music, I was. Uh-huh. And it, at one point, it just dawned on me, who am I kidding? I, I'm a musician. And so I continued to gig. Um, and then an opportunity came up with the, the Merritt School of Music in Chicago, which is um, it's a program that they based Music of the Heart on. There was a uh-huh. story with Meryl Streep in okay. it about teaching violinists in New York. Oh, that's right, yeah. But uh, our program, we went to schools that were in very rough parts of Chicago, and we taught instrumental lessons uh, half an hour, twice a week, to eight kids in a group. And we provided the instruments, we provided the instruction. Uh, it was all paid for by grants and Title Nine, no, Title One money, mm-hmm. and and other various. Like we would, we had a board that actively sought grants from big Chicago personalities, athletes, Oprah Winfrey, people like that. That mm-hmm. would give money to help fund instrumental programs in Cabrini Green, in Robert Taylor Homes, in, in some of these really rough neighborhoods in Chicago. And we would go into those schools and, um, and we would teach beginning music to those kids. And in Chicago, elementary was uh, K through eight. So I was teaching elementary bands, sometimes fourth grade through eighth grade, sometimes sixth through eight. I was also teaching elementary choirs. And um, and through doing that, um, you know, eventually I, as a performer and a teacher, I just realized as I turned 30, I wanted a job that was going to pay my bills. And if I was mm-hmm. going to do that as a music teacher, which I realized I really loved, and that's when I learned that I was actually pretty good at starting students, mm-hmm. uh, that I better move to a place I could afford to teach for a living. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Welcome to Ringgold. Yeah. <laughs> Because I think in Chicago Metro, you couldn't afford a one-bedroom apartment on a teacher's salary. No, no way. 
but we're we're really blessed to have a lot more than that here in Ringo. So yeah, that was a beautiful home, and yeah, yeah, so so nice. Okay, so non-music questions. Uh, what is your favorite thing to do that's not related to music? Well, I love to walk. I love to spend time with Jill. Um, I do chill out too many times with um, uh, like Clash of Clans and oh, okay. games on my on my iPad. Um, but uh, and really, like when we're when we're off, we like to travel. You know, okay. We went to Ireland last summer. Went to Germany, Austria, Switzerland mm-hmm. a few years ago. We try to travel different places in, in the continent. The, the the summers we don't go off the continent. Mm-hmm. You know, so um, like to just get around. We do a lot of hiking. Okay. Well, we got got to have you folks in Hawaii then sometime it's great hiking out there too especially maybe before yeah. Brent leaves or maybe after Brent leaves yeah, <laughs> yeah. Brent is Jill's brother oh okay <laughs> who lives in Hawaii oh okay okay well there's a lot of walking you can do it's just it's, you're gonna come back to the same place that you started yeah. <laughs> which is what you yeah. want to do yeah. if you have a car it's difficult to get back to the car if you don't come yeah. back around yeah it's, it's, it's an island so it's just you're just gonna loop yeah. around yeah. um Last one. This is a little silly. Uh, is a hot dog a sandwich? And defend your answer. Well, the way I eat hot dogs, it is not a sandwich because we don't use a bun. Oh, okay. So we, Jill, will put uh, bake the hot dogs in the oven. We'll slice them open, put some cheese in on them, and then we'll dice some onions and tomatoes and put it over the top. And so it, it's really. It is just an entree. It's an entree. Okay, <laughs> that was not the answer I was I was expecting. But I love it. Sour cream and oh yeah, I like sour okay. cream and uh, and picante sauce on there too. Okay, sometimes. and and for those years living in Chicago, is you know does ketchup belong on a hot dog? Oh, absolutely. Okay, uh, a hot you. dog I think should have ketchup. Uh-huh. And, and in Chicago, I, I would use the buns, but no, mm-hmm. I would not consider yeah. it a sandwich because it's yeah. the bun is not the most important part. A sandwich. The bread is the most important part. I okay. Think. To be a sandwich, it's about the bread. Okay. The hot dog is about the hot dog. But yeah, okay. oh, brown mustard. I like mayonnaise yeah. on mine. Uh, okay. Relish, ketchup, anything. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I don't really, oh, I don't like chili oh, dogs. Oh, I, I, love, I love a chili what? dog. Yeah. yeah. Swamp? No. No. Hmm. <laughs> Interesting. Okay, well, thank you very much for your time, and thank you, Joe, as well, and, and for walking, welcoming us. So I'm looking forward to uh, seeing you teach tomorrow, and, and I'm sure it's going to be great. So. I hope we don't disappoint. Yeah. Oh, no, you won't. <laughs> okay. Thank you. Well, that's it for this week's episode. If you enjoyed it, please give us some comments in a review in Apple Podcasts. Please subscribe and share it with friends wherever you get your podcasts from. Be sure to stay tuned for more episodes to come. Thank you.